Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Yellow Tech Road Podcast. I am your host, Omar. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Pleasure to have you here, uh, whenever, wherever you're listening. And in today's episode, we're going to get a little bit deeper in the realm of consumer tech. A little bit out of the normal comfort zone of just regular consumer technology. And we're going to talk about Huawei and their new phone and the implications of what this new phone means for their company and for the industry as a whole. So let's let's get started. If you find the average person on the street and you ask them, who do you think the top three smartphone manufacturers in the world are? You know, what's the answer that you'd expect to hear? You'd probably hear Samsung and Apple right away, which is correct, but what would be the all-elusive third company? Would it maybe be Google? After all, those Pixel commercials are everywhere. Would it be maybe LG? They've been around forever, a lot of people use their phones. Or maybe they would suggest OnePlus. They've been making waves for a few years now. All of these answers would be wrong. The answer is Huawei, the Chinese manufacturer that's all over the Europe and Asia, but has been banned from the United States. So the American consumer can be kind of funny, as they do think that they are the most important market for this industry. And in many ways, that's true. On the flagship side, whenever there are new features being announced, generally speaking, they're aimed for the lifestyle challenges of the American consumer. But in terms of volume sales, where cost efficiency is so important, it's these Asian companies that reign supreme. They're companies that you may have never heard of before. Companies like Huawei, Xiaomi, Oppo, and Vivo. They've targeted their home market of China and markets like India and have seen tremendous success. All this highlights a company like Huawei, one that has global ambitions to be the top smartphone maker in the world. But with this ambition, they've come across a lot of roadblocks, right? And for Huawei, those roadblocks manifest in the form of the U.S. government. You look at Huawei as one of the few casualties of this ongoing trade war that's going on between the U.S. and China. One that has seen the pricing impact on steel, automotive, and agricultural industries. But a special level of focus, it seems like, has been made to Huawei. On the surface, it seems like an attack against Huawei to protect Apple. After all, Apple's an American company, maybe you're protecting the American smartphone maker. But realistically, the real reason for this is around 5G and the 5G modem situation. They're trying to limit Huawei from overtaking European-based companies like Ericsson and Nokia in the race to win 5G and to get all these 5G modems installed all across the country and across the world. Now this has taken a severe turn for Huawei as they've been accused of being in bed with the Chinese government due to the founder of the company having deep, deep ties with the Communist Party in China. For their credit, Huawei vehemently denies these claims and insists that they operate in multiple nations without accusation of espionage that the United States has levied against them, which is true. Huawei is available in, I think, upwards of 200 countries. Some could view this as paranoia by the U.S., but the fact remains that they're not huge fans of Huawei, right? And they never have been, really. Now, this has escalated into adding Huawei to what they call an exempt list. And what that means, in a nutshell, is that U.S. companies cannot sell their hardware and services to Huawei. 
or to any other company on this exempt list. Huawei has always used their own processors, but severely limits where they get other parts for their phones. In the beginning, it seemed like they were targeted, because I remember there was a ridiculous notion that Huawei phones won't even have Bluetooth because the Bluetooth certification is based on a company that's based in the US. But the biggest impact that this exempt list had on Huawei was probably on the software side. So here's the thing. Huawei makes Android phones that typically rely on the Google Play Store and Google Play services outside of their home market of China. Obviously there's a big ban on services of Google and whatnot in China because the government there likes to control a lot of things in regards to their consumers and their, their people's smartphone habits. Google, as you might know, is an American company. This means that Huawei would not be allowed to ship their future devices with Google services, which for a company with if that's international, like Huawei is, it's a huge blow because they want to be in Europe. They wanted to come into the US, but if you don't have Google services, you're dead in the water. Now in their whole market of China, it's not a big deal because they rely on WeChat, and they can use their own app store that has Chinese specific things and Huawei has all those relationships put in place so that's not that big of a deal. But realistically, this is the biggest blow to their ambitions outside of China. And I think Huawei knows this. They saw how Windows Phone, Blackberry and WebOS failed, not because they were bad operating systems, but because they didn't have that third-party app support that iPhones and Android phones running Google services all enjoy. All of this that's going on frames the release of Huawei's latest phone, the Mate 30 Pro. On the surface of it, if you're looking at this device, it looks incredible. Four cameras, two of them over 40 megapixels, an amazing looking screen, this new waterfall design, a, a camera that's gonna perform excellently with so many different modes. It's probably a phone that could take on the Pixel 4 and the Note 10 and give them a run for their money as the best Android phones of the year. You have a four camera setup that's incredibly high resolution. The Kirin 990 processor, Huawei's own processor, which is probably more powerful than the latest from Snapdragon. And of course, a beautiful waterfall screen. For those unfamiliar, a waterfall screen is basically a take on Samsung's edge screen where it's not a soft curve, it's just like a sharp 90 degree curve. It's interesting, and Huawei added some implementation where if you tap the sides, you could adjust the volume and things like that. Nice little tricks to maximize the design. But it's the first phone from this Chinese company that's missing Google apps and services. So what does this mean? It means you have no Google search app, no Chrome, no Google Maps, no YouTube, no Google Drive. But most importantly, what this really means is that you have no Google Play Store. And that's where you would download apps normally. You know, everybody who's used Android knows that. But what do you do for apps then if you don't have the Play Store? Huawei has this thing called App Gallery. And basically, they've spent over a million dollars to get these apps on their App Store. And as of right now, they have about 45,000 apps that you could download on the Mate 30. Compare that 
to the 2.7 billion apps that you have on the Play Store. So in addition to no Play Store, this means that Huawei has to build off of the AOSP version of Android. That's to say the open source version of the operating system that's super bare bones and basically unrecognizable compared to what you get on Pixel and Android One phones. So what all, that all means is that Huawei has to work extra hard on the software side to get that same functionality and look and feel that their users are accustomed to. Now, to their credit, Huawei has done a pretty good job in recreating the EMUI experience. And that is what EMUI is what Huawei's Android skin is called. And people that have used the Mate and P series before and pick up a Mate 30 are going to feel very comfortable. But I think this phone is deeper than just a phone at this point. It's kind of a case study. That's what I mean by that. Through political tensions, there's been a, a potential third operating system being born uh, through the fire, so to speak. By being forced to end their relationship with Google, Huawei has now put in a place to see what they can do left to their own devices with their own systems and their own services. For a few years now, really, ever since Google released the Pixel line, smartphone companies that make Android phones have been asking themselves some questions. With Google as a partner and a competitor now, how much do we really need Android set is what the company could ask. Some companies like LG and Nokia have embraced Google and gone less heavy with their interfaces and apps than ever before. Others like Samsung and Huawei have done the exact opposite and, and doubled down on their own services and apps to differentiate themselves from the pack. There have always been rumors of Huawei making their own operating system and getting away from Android. Uh, it's what they call Harmony OS. It's what they recently unveiled at an event a couple months ago. And there's always been the rumor of Samsung making Tizen phones. They've done it for super low-end stuff in Asia, and it's what's running it on their watches, but never a flagship device. And ultimately, it's the fear of the lack of a software support that's just been beyond crippling for these companies to really venture out on their own and take that kind of a risk. All these companies have to really do is look at how Microsoft spectacularly failed with Windows Phone largely due to a lack of apps that consumers needed. Ultimately, a lot of people loved the operating system. They thought the live tile interface worked on mobile. They liked the theming options. They liked the battery life, uh, the optimization. Everything was good, but it's those apps. You didn't have those apps, and that's why that operating system died. But now Huawei has been forced into having to do this, whether they like it or not. It's ultimately a dangerous situation. In one manner, it could cripple Huawei's smartphone business. This is the result that many tech analysts already think is going to happen because they can't imagine a world where a company can survive without Google Play services outside of Apple. On the other hand, it could work, and Huawei could build out a third operating system knowing that they don't need Google to succeed. Now, the latter possibility of them actually making this work could really become a nightmare for Google. Because if Huawei finds success with this device, what's to say that Samsung won't think that they can make a Tizen phone that would be successful? If that happens, Google has to compete with three phone makers that all have more users than them in Samsung, Huawei, and also Apple. 
This jeopardizes their user base a lot for a lot of Google's core services on mobile. It intensifies if Huawei and Samsung alternatives to Google apps are actually good. So let's put out a hypothetical. Let's say they make a Bing-powered search engine since both companies have relationships in place with Microsoft. They have competent web browsers to be able to take on Chrome. And they come up with cloud solutions that take on Google Drive that are actually effective. This, this is trouble for Google if this happens. Now, the irony in all this is how it started. The trade war between the US and China was really put into motion to reduce the U.S. dependency on foreign companies and to fortify American companies and infrastructure. But if this pans out well for Huawei, a Chinese company becomes stronger than the American company, Google. And deep down, I think Google knows this is a risk of happening. The real question for me becomes, what apps will Huawei need to have to make this project work? Immediately, the popular social media communication apps that would need to be available and updated come to mind. Apps like Snapchat, Instagram, WhatsApp, Twitter, etc. Then you'd have to have popular streaming apps as well, like Spotify, Netflix, Hulu, HBO Now, so on and so forth. But the ace in the hole here for a Huawei would be proper support for web apps. If they enable their web browser, to have the flexibility, like Chrome does on Android, and to an extent what Safari does on iOS, to really be able to handle progressive web apps, this could really, really work. With every passing day, the future of these web apps seems to be getting brighter and brighter. The advantage of using these lighter versions uh, is that um, they can function like native apps without all the headaches and resources and battery life required to have a native app. So a progressive web app saves space on the phone and helps a company like Huawei solve their app problem. Sidebar on that is these web apps have become so good that in many ways there's no need to actually have the native app. Twitter makes an excellent web app. Instagram makes a great web app. You can even get a good one for Google Maps and Uber. So this stuff takes away from the limitations of having native apps. The only issue, of course, is that we are so programmed for native apps that the idea of using a web app just feels weird. And it's in a landscape currently where it's designed for this to be successful. It just needed a company like Huawei to be put in a position to actually make it work, a company to fully invest in this web platform. Now, there's a good chance that this will fail spectacularly and that Huawei will be limited as a local manufacturer in China similar to what Geo and Zolo are in India and if you've never heard of those companies that's exactly my point Huawei could make a bunch of money staying in their home market we know that people are very much resistant to change so having to switch from the muscle memory of using the play store to using huawei's app gallery and using web apps could be a harsh one and it'll be very difficult at first but i really think that huawei has enough resources to make it through on the other side so all in all 
we could be looking back in a few years and seeing that a trade war between the US and China has sparked the innovation and competition that we've been craving in the smartphone industry for years. There's been a, a stagnant duopoly between Android and iOS recently. And we always say, you know, there's, there's no more innovation. There's no more people making wacky ideas. There's not like a, a HTC or a Palm in years past that it's really disrupting the phone market. You, you think of the disruptors now, you're thinking of OnePlus. And what, what is OnePlus really disrupting? You know, they come out with a couple of features, but eventually those are industry standard after six months. There's no real company pushing the limits on hardware and software like it used to be. And part of that could just be, you know, the, the peak of the smartphone, it being a mature product now. But it could also just be a, a stagnation of innovation and a focus on iteration from the big companies because they know that they're either going iOS or Android and there isn't a third operating system to even challenge those companies to make it different. And the issue on the Android side is you say, well, there's a bunch of Android companies. That's true. But here's the thing. They can only do so much with Android with what they're given from Google. So if Google feels a, a need to innovate, then that could impact the way phones are made. And that could be the thing that we all need for a better phone ecosystem option in the terms of a consumer. If this is Huawei's reality for the foreseeable future, and we could see these things being done that will ultimately benefit the end consumer, adding more features, doing more crazy things to try and gather, garner public opinion and all that stuff. All that could happen if Huawei is successful. Now, if they fail, well, you know, then we're just where we're at right now. So what's the harm? One side effect that could happen with this all as well, being born of a trade war, is the further isolation between the East and the West globally. Culturally, there's so many differences between us here in the US and the Chinese and Indian markets. And with the increasing severity of trade ties between the two biggest powers in each region, what you might end up seeing is technological isolation, which is, for me, as the eyes of a, a tech enthusiast, the worst possible thing that could happen. Companies in China are doing some amazing things. If you really think about it, who really started this bezel-less trend that we see in smartphones? That was Xiaomi. That wasn't Apple. That wasn't Motorola. That wasn't Nokia. You know, that was a, a Chinese company, okay? And, and that just ultra-fast charging was, was really pioneered by Oppo. Vivo has done things with selfie cameras and so on and so forth. And OnePlus has done a bunch of things with their phones, uh, also being a Chinese company. So for me, who enjoys, someone who enjoys this stuff and doesn't just want to have a generic phone, like if everyone had to have an iPhone, that'd be terrible. You know, then, you know, the phone becomes a toaster. You know, it's commoditized and it's not exciting. And I really would hate to see that because that would just mean that it would become even more stagnant. And then you would just have your companies in the West doing what they're doing while we're looking over in 
in the east and wondering what they're doing but knowing that we can't have their technology and really this is something that we need to avoid happening because what good is innovation if it isn't easily accessible to the masses and so guys i really am interested in your thoughts on this topic uh it's a little bit different you know it's a little political in scope in terms of what is going on with huawei and what is going on uh with the u.s and chinese governments to blockade certain companies and this this isn't only huawei that's affected by this i have a friend in the steel industry he's been affected by it i know people in the automotive industry as i live in the detroit area so that's very present here who are affected by this trade war and you start seeing some things some costs of consumer electronics go up now because they're using aluminum and using the materials that are being tariffed and taxed and companies are going in increasing their prices on these goods because they're being taxed on them but thank you again for listening thank you for liking subscribing sharing the podcast i really appreciate that i'm trying to come out with more and more content as the time comes along obviously we're in midst of a, a lot of news coming out google pixel launch coming up the OnePlus 7t i guess it will be called will be coming up so we'll have thoughts on all that But for now, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Yellow Tech Road Podcast. I am your host, Omar. Thank you for joining me. Reach out to me at O-Z-A-H-R-A-N-319 at gmail.com for any questions, comments, show ideas, anything like that. But thank you again for listening, and thank you for joining me on the Yellow Tech Road Podcast. And I will catch you guys on the next one. Peace.